Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Fight Island 6, the Korean Zombie versus Brian Ortega. And Shaq, it's going down this Saturday night in Yas Island, Abu Dhabi, the return of the Korean Zombie. And he's taking on Brian Ortega, who we haven't seen since the Max Holloway fight. And Dana said the winner of this fight gets the next shot at Alexander Volkanovsky. I'm glad to hear that because the way Zombies looked his last two fights, uh, I definitely say he deserves that type of fight. And Ortega, man, he was the number one contender, you know, beat some of the same guys that Zombie beat. So if he can uh, pick up this win, man, he can kind of redeem himself. And, and it's been a while since that title fight with uh, Holloway. I think Holloway's fought like, what, four times since? So Ortega's got a lot to prove, and we'll see how he does uh, Saturday. Yeah, look, that was the kind of fight where uh, you need to take some time off afterwards. So I'm glad that he took the proper amount of time off. But I mean, Zombie's no tune-up fight, Shaq. Zombie's not the kind of guy you want to go out there and test some new things against. So I'm very curious to see how Brian Ortega rebounds. We're going to get into that. And real quick, just want to make a quick announcement. Um, we're going to be sponsoring UFC flyweight Cody Durden for his upcoming fight December 5th versus Jimmy the Brick Flick. Uh, going to be a hell of a fight. So now up until December 5th, use the promo code Cody25 to save 25% off any package at bestfightpicks.com. That's Cody25 with a capital C. Now Shaq, Let's get right down to business, and we're going to do the featured prelim all the way to the main event, and then we'll get to the early prelims after that. But Shaq, first up in the lightweight division, we got the UFC debut of Mateus Gamra. He's 17-0 versus the UFC debut of Guram Kutateladze, who's 11-2. Currently, they got Mateus Gamra minus 300. The comeback on Guram Kutateladze is plus 250. So Shaq... Uh, you already know the deal. Mateus Gamrot is a guy we've been hearing about on the regional scene for a very, very long time. And he didn't just come from any regional scene. He was the KSW champ champ. I mean, this guy truly paid his dues 17-0 outside the UFC. He's got about as much experience as you can get fighting outside the big show. And the guy is very, very solid. He's not someone that's going to come out here and, you know, throw a bunch of spins or, you know, he's not. he doesn't have the most flashy style, but... He does exactly what he needs to do to get the job done. Doesn't take any unnecessary risks. He's got a very, very high fight IQ. And also, he's a mean guy, man. I mean, if you watch his third uh, fight with Norman Park, you'd think it's enough to just go out there and break the guy's face. But that wasn't enough. You know what he did? When you want to talk about humiliating someone, Shaq, you know what he does after he beats Norman Park the third time? He says, I'm not going to shake your hand until you get on the mic and apologize to me, my team, and my family. So he literally made Norman Park get on the mic after Norman Park was completely beat up, and he made him apologize to everybody uh, on uh, Mateus Gamrod's team. It was it was insane, dude. I was like, God damn, this guy's a boss. But uh, as far as Guram, look, you already know the deal. These fighters from Georgia, not Georgia where we're from, but Georgia where Marab Duwalish Wheelie's from, they've been coming out here and winning fights. Shout out to Ilya to Poria, who came through for us last week at Dog Odds. So, Guram is a very tough guy. You know, he actually grew up in the midst of a civil war. So, you know that this guy is tough as nails. The thing with this matchup is, man, I wanted to see Guram get a bit of an easier fight for his UFC debut, you know, because jumping in there with Mateus Gamrod, it's almost like he's getting a KSW title shot right now. And while I do think Guram's a tough guy, he's out there training with Shemaev and a, bu and a bunch of good fighters. I'm not quite convinced he's on the level of uh, Mateus Gamrot. So I think Guram's going to go on to win some UFC fights, but this Saturday night, I, I think Mateus Gamrot's most likely winning a decision. He can hang on the feet, but if he needs to mix in takedowns, he can do that too. And on the mat, he is he is very heavy on top. So I'm going to go with Mateus Gamrot to, to grind this one out, Shaq. Gamrot, like you said, we've been knowing about him for a while. You know, he's actually been one of... Uh... Dustin's training partners for for a very long time. So Gamrod, uh, he's been doing his thing in KSW, big start. Now he's making his debut. Personally, I think he's a bit overrated. I mean, look, I think he's solid. I agree with the whole, you know, he's gonna do, you know, just enough uh, uh, what he needs to do to get the win. It's just, you know, those type of fighters, man. Minus three hundred's a little a little sketchy to me, and, and I, I do feel like he has a padded record, you know, I, I feel like uh, a lot of his KSW, and it's something I noticed in that promotion in the past with uh, with uh, Lipsky, you know, like his record on paper, man, it looks real good to the eyes, I mean, everyone's got a good 
good record. But man, when you watch some of these fights, like look, I like Norman Park, but those were three of his last four fights, and some of the shit I've been hearing about Nor- Norman Park over the last few years ain't been good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, so it doesn't really shock me that much. And then you know he was the champ champ. He beat that dude Kleber, who's a a jujitsu guy. I personally think this guy Gurum is better than these guys. It's just uh, Gurum. I wish he threw a little bit more, but I actually think the fight's going to play out a lot closer than the uh, than the line indicates. I don't think Gamrot's as good as this line indicates, and like I said, I think he has a padded record, but I still think he'll, you know, probably just outscore him, you know, squeak out the rounds probably with the takedowns, but I actually think it's going to be a, 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 a good close fight. So, But I'll take a Gamrat by a close decision. Now, next up, now I'm not sure if this is in the featherweight division or in the bantamweight division, but bottom line, we got two exciting bantamweights because next up we got Tomas Tominjas Almeida. He's 22-3, and three, and Jonathan Martinez is 12-3. and three. Currently, they got Tomas Almeida minus 135. The comeback on Jonathan Martinez is plus 115. So, Shaq, the return of Tomas Almeida. We've been waiting a long time. Uh, Used to be one of the most exciting prospects in the Bantamweight division. I mean, when this guy finishes fights, he puts on a beautiful display of violence. And Jonathan Martinez has quietly been putting together some wins. He's got two vicious knockouts via knees. So, I mean, dude, uh, two strikers about to go at it. Who you got? It's a good fight because Almeida... Man, I'll go ahead and say, like, I really think it's sad to the point that where he's at right now, you know, just, you know, in comparison to where he was, you know, before the Brad Pickett fight and the Eves Jabwain fight where he was the, you know, the number one prospect. And man, to be honest, after watching his whole career again, I think he was overrated the entire time, man. I feel like this guy... You know, I remember uh, Cody Garbrandt had said a long time ago before they fought that this dude's been fighting all taxi uh, cab drivers. And, I mean, man, when you look at it, the, the facts are the facts. Like, we're talking, his UFC wins are Brad Pickett, you know, a fight in which he got rocked in, uh, Albert Morales, um, Anthony Burchek, um, Tim Gorman, Eves Jabwain, like, you know, USC rejects and guys that, you know, just aren't capable to get the job done. Now, Martinez, I feel like he kind of falls in between, you know, of the of the Fonts, Rivera's and all those guys. And those guys I just mentioned uh, before, I feel like Martinez's issue is he could throw a little bit more. But technique wise, man, you know, in a battle of touching chins, I feel like he's the more durable guy. I feel like Almeida after he throws, just stands right there, and he doesn't, to be honest, I don't think it's all offensive, man. You know who he reminds me of? Duho Choi. This guy will literally stand in the pocket, and just and he loves getting in the 50-50 exchanges, and, and he doesn't have the chin, and you can hear this in his corner, man, bro. Like, in, in between rounds, his corner men are telling him, like, please do not slug, Thomas. Please do not slug. Just touch. And he, and he, and you know, that's just the, that shoot box style. But, you know, uh, look, I think Almeida should be the favorite just on Martinez really hasn't achieved anything on, on this level yet. But man, Martinez is solid. And I think there's a chance where guys like him, guys like um, Andre Uhl or, you know, some of the guys that he's been fighting have possibly surpassed Tomas in his time off. Like, I get he's had this break and maybe, maybe this is what he needed, that break, uh, you know, to just, you know, clear his head and he's young. So maybe he comes back a completely different guy. But my gut tells me that it's a little bit more than that. I think that he's been taking a lot of damage in the, not only in the fights, but in the gym as well, uh, you know, with that shoot box gym. And I'm going to go with Martinez, man. I think he's the more durable guy. I feel like uh, he's got, at least he mixes it up with his kicks a little bit more. Not saying Almeida doesn't, but I just feel like Almeida gets too carried away in these exchanges, kind of similar to Duho Choi, where, you know, he could take a step back and move around a little bit, but instead he just keeps exchanging, keeps exchanging and putting himself on the line, and he doesn't have the chin. So I'm going to go with Martinez. I I think uh, it could be a good spot for him, but we'll see, man. So this is a hell of a fight right here, and – you know, there's a situation where I feel like I kind of know what level Martinez is on, man. I mean, look, I like Martinez a lot. He's knocked out two guys with knees. And, you know, when I when I picked him against a washed-up 40-year-old like Frankie Science, he handled him exactly how you're supposed to. And I just like the kid. He's tough. He's exciting. Some very hard kicks. But when you talk about these guys that, uh, you know, have been going out there and beating Tomas Almeida, I mean, 
Rob Font and Cody Garbrandt arguably have the best hands in the Bantamweight division, and Jimmy Rivera has been a perennial top five guy his entire career. And I thought that, look, I bet Jimmy Rivera in that fight, and I thought Tomas Almeida give Jimmy one hell of a fight. I felt like if that wasn't in New Jersey or New York on the East Coast, it might have been a split decision. So I felt like that was a very, very good fight. And when you talk about the chin of Almeida, that, that's the biggest concern here. The guy is extremely chinny. I, I can't debate that at all, but at least he's had two years off, and he, he does come out of that shooter box gym. So I'm curious if they're still uh, trapped in the Stone Ages, kind of like Novo Nyao, or if they have caught up with the times. Because, I mean, they do have Charles Oliveira coming out that gym, and he's definitely been showing evolution in his game. So I'm curious if Tomas is following suit. Hopefully he's been evolving his game as well. I mean, I've been hearing his interviews. He's been saying all the right things. So I'm hoping that this time off was what he needed. He's going to come out here better. So the thing with Tomas that I'd be most worried about, obviously, is him getting caught. The thing is, I'm not entirely convinced Jonathan Martinez has the hands to put him down. Now, granted, one of those knees or a head kick lands on Thomas, then it's probably going to be good night, Irene. But aside from that, man, I mean, look, when, when you want to know what kind of level some kid is on in that division uh, as far as being a striker, put him in there with Andre Sukumta. Andre Sukumta not only floored this kid, he gave him a tour of the octagon, went out there, even looked like he had some IQ in that fight. What about the Andre Ull fight? I don't care who you scored it for. That was a 50-50 fight. So I just feel like Thomas is on a different level than these guys. And I like Jonathan Martinez. He's a very tough kid. He'll come back better. But unless he lands a knee or a head kick, I think he's getting outclassed here. So I'm going with Tomas Almeida to get back on track in this spot. Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got a matchup between Claudio Hannibal Silva. He's 14-1. and And the James Krause is 27-8. and Currently, they got James Krause minus 156. The comeback on Claudio Silva is plus 135. Uh, man, Claudio Silva still undefeated in the UFC. He's got a win over Leon Edwards. He's a serious black belt. You know, Shaq, he kind of reminds me of like Carlos Diego Ferreira, kind of like a bigger Carlos Diego where like he gives no fucks on the feet. So it might not look the prettiest standing, but he, he doesn't care if you take him down because he's so confident in his jujitsu ability and he gets on top of these guys one time. The fight might be over shortly after or at least they're not getting back up now look James Krause is a black belt too but there, there's levels to the black belts man I mean I think that Claudio Silva is like a third or fourth degree black belt no and that's not discrediting James Krause James Krause is very very good and James Krause is probably the more well-rounded guy here so it, here's what I'd be kind of worried about with Claudio um I think he's going to come out here and dominate the first round what I'm worried about is if he starts to kind of slow down and then starts to shoot from a mile out and then, you know, Kraus might might make him look kind of silly if Claudio kind of gasses out a little bit. The thing with that is, though, James Kraus is kind of known for that kind of calf kick game. He's got like that pretty uh, points. Uh, he's got kind of a pretty striking style. He's got nice knees. It's going to be hard to get off on the calf kicks against the southpaw. And the last time we did see James Kraus against the southpaw was actually Alex White. And believe it or not... Alex White actually took down James Krause and kind of beat him up in that third round. Uh, so it, it's one of these things where I think that Claudio Silva's on a completely different level than all these guys that have been coming out here and taking down James Krause. And I know officially James Krause hasn't been submitted in a decade, but you know I hate to bring up a petty example because I give people a lot of shit when they reference amateur fights, and I'm about to reference an exhibition fight, but like, you know, three years ago, he got choked out by Jesse Taylor. So he has been submitted in the last half decade. Now, the reason it's a petty example, not just because it's an exhibition fight, was because he had three fights that week. I mean, he fought Johnny uh, Nunez, he fought Ramsey Nijum, and then he fought Jesse Taylor all in the same week. So I'm sure he was banged up. I'm sure he wasn't 100%. But I'm also sure Claudio Silva saw that fight and was like, okay, I, I can submit this guy. So... I do think this is a dogger pass situation. I, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't worried about Claudio gassing and then getting outclassed. But, man, aside from that, I think Claudio's going to come out here and dominate on the mat. Look, Trevin Giles took the back of uh, James Krause. And that's not because, you know, James Krause is bad on the mat or anything. I know he took the fight on a week short notice. But still, you give up positions to these guys that aren't on your level. What's going to happen when a guy who's way past your level in terms of the of the jujitsu gets on top of you? So dogger pass situation. I'll roll the dice and go with Claudio Silva in this spot. Claudio Silva is an interesting guy because there's a, a lot of things I like and there's a lot of things I don't like. And Kraus is pretty much at this point, I'd say he's pretty much solid. Like I don't think he's as good uh, as the public views him in general, but. 
this last fight with Trevin, I thought, like, live, I was confident Trevin won. <laughs> and uh, I bet on Trevin. And then, uh, you know, now I still keep seeing people saying that, that that fight was a robbery, man. I felt like Kraus got hurt, like, way too many times for him to win that fight. But props to him for going up to 85s on a day, a one-day notice. So we, we already know the type of character uh, that Kraus has. But, man, the way I see this fight, man, I can't make that Carlos Diego Ferreira comparison because – I just feel like Diego's got way better cardio and way better boxing than a guy like uh, Claudio Silva. He's put it uh, far more together. But at the same time, what I, I think what separates Claudio from a lot of guys is his heart, man. Like this guy, like just look at the Brad Scott fight. He's, I mean, he, you know, he does his thing on the mat. He gets up ahead on the points, but then he pretty much does the same thing every fight. Like, you know, he, if the guy doesn't get subbed, you know, he's going to win, you know, off the jujitsu control, but we know at some point he's going to get cracked and then all hell is going to uh, ensue. And he almost got finished by Scott. He almost got finished by Leon. He almost got finished by Danny Roberts. So there's a he almost gets finished a lot. You know, his technique isn't there, but it's the heart, man. It's the will. It's like the guy doesn't stop. All he needs to do is grab a hold of that leg, even if he's on bottom. So I got a tremendous amount of respect for uh, Claudio Silva. Kraus throws a lot of volume. And that's a big concern because I feel like a lot of these guys are making mistakes loading up, trying to take Claudio out. And it's a, I, I mean, look, all the opening, it's like fighting, uh, it's like fighting Gritzmacher. It's like, man, I see, I, I see all the openings, like they're all there. And then, you know, you end up mismanaging your energy and then he gets you on the ground and then, uh, and then you get submitted. But man, I, I view, I, I slightly lean Kraus just due to the fact that like, I don't know how many more times he can keep getting away with almost getting hurt. Look, the, the Danny Hot Chocolate Roberts fight was a great fight, but, man, I felt like the ref was interfering with the, a lot of the action going on in that fight. And I felt like the ref was trying. I'm not taking his one away, but I felt like the ref, he got a little bit of help there, man. The ref was stopping the action too much. And, uh, and James Krause, I always have a concern, like, is he fully, you know, invested in this? And you know, he is a coach, he is a manager and all that stuff. And I always wonder, like, if he gets in a bad spot, like, is he going to just be like, fuck this, dude, I, I really don't need this. And, you know, we did see what happens when a, an elite black belt got on top of him, Sergio Marais, I mean, was inside control on James Krause. And James Krause was calm. And he, and he, uh, when Sergio tried to take his back, he actually reversed it. So he's definitely a legit black belt. Um, man, it's tough to say. I slightly lean with Kraus. I just think he throws more. And I think his style, I feel like his style will be the style to possibly make uh, Claudio Silva look silly, like you were saying, make him, you know, shoot from way far out. And if that happens, I, I see Kraus uh, taking over and just touching him up, eventually probably getting a knockout. But uh, we'll see, man. I, but I agree. It's a dog or pass situation. I just can't play Kraus at that chalk. Just knowing the, the, the style of fight, he gets slammed to the ground very easily, a very loose uh, f fighting style. But, you know, we'll see. But I'll take uh, James Kraus. Now, next up in the light heavyweight division, we got a matchup between Jimmy the Brute Crute. He's 11-1. and one, And Modestus Bukowskis is 11-2. and two. Currently, they got Jimmy the Brute Crew minus 310. The comeback on Modestus Bukowskis is plus 255. So fans that have to battle know I've been pretty high on Jimmy the Brute Crew for a long time. I like this kid. Look, he's young. He's only 23. He's got a black belt in jiu-jitsu. He's got knockout power as well. He's tough. He's experienced at this point in his UFC career. And Modestus Bukowskis is a talented guy as well. He's very tall. He's long for the division. He's got kind of a unorthodox striking style. We'll throw weird kicks. We'll throw straight punches. And also, he's very tough too. You know, you can take this kid down, Modestus Bukowskis, and uh, he tends to get back up a reverse position. So I think he's got a bright future for sure. I just think that this might be a bit of a step up, uh, you know, uh, compared to the guys he's been fighting to jump up and go ahead and fight Jimmy Crute right now. I think it might be too much too soon. Kind of reminds me of like when Jimmy Crute fought Misha Sarkunov, when Jimmy was the undefeated prospect and Misha Sarkunov was the experienced vet. And it's crazy to call a 23-year-old kid an experienced vet, but now it seems like Jimmy's the vet and Modestus is the undefeated prospect. But uh, look, I, I think that Jimmy can hang on the feet. He can calf kick this guy. And if shit does start to get kind of sketchy standing, because, you know, the brute, he does eat some uh, shots standing. 
that's where I think he can mix in the takedowns, get this to the mat, and that's where I think he's got a clear advantage. So I don't know if he's going to grind out a win. I don't know if he's going to get on top of him and pound him out. And I also don't know if he's going to submit him. But what I do know is that the biggest edge Jimmy Crute has in this in this fight is on the mat. And I think he'll, I think he's going to come out here and not fuck around and try to exploit that part of the game. So I'm going to go with Jimmy the Brute Crute to get it done. Yeah, man. I feel like uh, Crute is the rightful favorite here. Just fought the, the higher level of competition. Up to this point, man, I feel like Modestus, uh, man, he's big. He's I feel like he's actually a lot faster than Crude in the open. Um, and I feel like Crude's honestly, I feel like he's Crude's solid, but man, I feel like he's a little slow. But man, his last fight, he looked real good. He, he got the takedowns, was able to get the Kamara. So, you know, he redeemed himself from the uh, that stun he pulled against Misha Serkinov. Modestus is an interesting thing because he's big. I see, uh, you know, a lot of good uh, physical attributes. I just haven't seen it against anyone with any significance, so it's tough to say. This is a step up for him, so you got to go with Crute. But, uh, I man, I, I just I don't know. I feel like it is kind of lined wide just because it's two big boys in there swinging. And, but, man, I heard Jimmy Crute's interview. The, the, the kid seems like he's secluding himself. You know, he's uh, he's been focusing really hard on this. I think he's been living in a van or some shit. So the way he sounded, I was like, damn, this guy uh, has been <laughs> – he's been going to that dark place. So I got to go with Jimmy Crute. He's probably just paid his due. So, yeah. Co-main event of the evening in the flyweight division. We got a matchup between Jessica Bata Eshtaka Andraj. She's 20 and 8. And Caitlin Blonde Fighter Chukagin is 14 and 3. Currently, they got Jessica Andraj minus 150. The comeback on Caitlin Chukagin is plus 130. So, I mean, I guess we got to get it out the way. The size difference, you know, Caitlin Chukagin is going to have 8 inches of height, 6 inches of reach in this spot. And if, you know, for whatever reason, if Jessica Andraj is a little gun shy, Listen, there's no there's no crowd in attendance, so those tennis sounds are going to be loud and clear. But that said, Shaq, if Jessica Andrade decides to let it go, you think she's got a clear edge here? Man, this is an interesting fight to me. One of the more tougher fights to to break down on this card because Chukagian, I feel like, is in a spot where it's like, where can you go from here? I mean, it's pretty much down. Like, she already fought for the title. She's pretty much beaten. She's fought pretty much everyone. She fought Murphy already. She fought Jennifer Maya, Calderwood, uh, you know, everyone. So it's like she really hasn't, you know, got much opponents left out there to fight. Then she's not getting a title fight anytime soon. You know, she just got married. She's been bringing up the baby talk <laughs> here and there. And on the flip side, man, I'm a big fan of Andrade and, you know, I think that she's one of the best female fighters of all time. But, man, I, I do feel like she is slowing down a little bit, man. I feel like uh, that Wiley Zhang fight, although she's coming off a fight of the night, uh, her last fight, uh, which I'll get into later, I, I do feel like Andrade is slowing it down a bit. And I do feel like, you know, that damage that she's been taking in her career might finally, you know, uh, be starting to catch up with her. And I also feel like, her whole mo you know her whole style the bully style move forward it's a little inflated in hindsight just due to the fact like i mean i know she you know is known for fucking chicks up and you know but we're talking about you know carolina kovakavich you know <laughs> tisha torres uh uh angela hill uh gadelia um you know uh, aren't those like the some of the top fighters in that weight class carolina kovakavich at the time at the time, right? I mean, I guess by name value, but I mean, I mean, we both know that like those girls have, you know, I just feel like, I, well, as of right now, you know, it's inflated. Like Carolina Kovacavich is harmless, dude. Like she hasn't looked good in fucking five years, you know, as we're like, you know, Tisha Torres, solid fighter, but like, you know, never going to touch a belt or ever be in title contention. You know what I'm saying? Or Angela Hill, all these panay. But man, as far as this matchup, yeah, I feel like Chukagian might might uh, have nowhere to go but down. And I, 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 like I said, I feel like Andrade is slowing down. Um, but, man, I feel like the matchup honestly favors Chukagian. Like, look, I like Andrade, but let's look at her losses. What happens every time she fights a disciplined straight puncher? I mean, she gets fucking picked apart. Uh, the Joanna uh, the fight back in the day where, you know, she didn't uh, close the distance and she – all she throws is hooks, so all you got to do is come with that one-two down the middle. 
I mean, obviously you're going to take shots in return, but I mean, she got dominated that fight. We saw what happened in the first Rose fight, but you know, she was able to get the slam. And I feel like that's the best way she should approach this fight is go for the takedowns because Chukagian's takedown D is a little sketch. But man, on the feet, I just see Chukagian popping her head back a lot, man. I, I feel like Chukagian's got some underrated hands. I mean, she was smacking up Jennifer Myers. She was smacking up uh, Calderwood on the feet like badly. Um, it's just a matter of these takedowns, but I, I honestly feel like Andrade, you know, she needs to, to, to evolve. I know she came in with the head movement, but it was, it, it was, uh, it was just, she still got hit a ton, man. It's just like, you know, she needs to limit the amount of time she gets hit. And I just don't see that, uh, happening at this stage in her career. Maybe, maybe she's moving up in weight, but I feel like that reach and that height advantage is going to play a big, big factor. And, you know, even though Andrade might land a big bomb here and there, I just see her giving up the points back with the jab and the straight all night. So I'm going to go with, uh, Chukagian to get the win here. I just think Chukagian's a, a underrated performer, man. Like she, you know, I, I've given her shit in the past, you know, with the whole tennis sounds and, you know, she's boring and this and that. But, I mean, consistently, man, she, she does her job. So I'll go with her. Look, as far as the size is concerned and the discipline fighting style, I, I can't debate any of that stuff. But I don't think we can discredit Jessica Andrade's run. I mean, she beat all the basically all the top 10 fighters in that division except uh, Joanna and Wiley. Uh, all those fighters were top 10 at the time. I mean, if you really want to discredit someone's resume, I mean, what about, you know, Chuko and 50-50 with Mara romero Barella? you know what I'm saying? But uh, as far as this matchup is concerned, in the women's divisions, you know, in men's divisions, yeah, I favor straight punches over loopy punches, but in the women's divisions, they haven't caught up yet, and that's no disrespect. So I think that having that one-punch knockout power is actually something that's kind of unique to the women's divisions, and it can override someone that has better technique than you. So I really think that this is a situation where Andrade just has to pull the trigger. You know, if she comes out here with these calf kicks, I mean, this is a girl that dethroned uh, Rose Namajunas, and in my opinion, arguably won the rematch, but... If she decides to let these punches go in bunches, mixes in takedowns like she did against Claudia Gadelia, the calf kicks as well, I think that she can slow down Chukagin, and I think that she can actually make Chukagin look kind of ineffective. The biggest concern here, there's two concerns for me. Number one is if Jessica doesn't pull the trigger, then she's definitely going to get behind on points. And number two is if Chukagin gets on top of her because Chukagin's a lot bigger. But if those two things don't happen, man, I, I do see Jessica Andrade coming out here and just being the more aggressive fighter, kind of bullying Chukagin a bit. But I'm definitely wary of the size, no questions asked. But I'll go with the former champion here, Jessica Andrade, to finally get back on track uh, on Saturday night. Main event in the evening in the featherweight division, we got Brian T. City Ortega. He's 14 and 1. And the Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung is 16 and 5. Currently, they got the Korean zombie minus 185. The comeback on Brian T. City Ortega is plus 160. Man, what a hell of a main event. These two have been supposed to fight for a long time. And look, I don't think that, you know, Korean zombie is going to come out here and, you know, land 300 strikes like Max Holloway did. You know, Max is more of a volume guy. Korean zombie is kind of a counter power guy. But I'll tell you this. Just because you can eat 300 strikes against Max Holloway doesn't mean that you can eat 30 strikes against the Korean zombie, Shaq. So how you see uh, this main event playing out? Yeah, I feel like uh, Ortega, you know, he's had time off. He's been off for quite a bit now. Um, tough customer. was on quite the run before that fight, finishing Frankie in the first, finishing Moicano. Um but man, you know, and we we know the deal with T City and his lead up to that title fight. Uh, a lot of those fights were comeback wins, especially the Diego Brandao ones, and you know uh, the Clay Guidas. And I mean, look, he was definitely a little inefficient in uh, some of in some of those positions, and is striking one hundred percent. And you know, he kind of reminds me of uh, well, his attitude kind of reminds me a lot of Dominic Reyes, who's actually quite <laughs> funny his his teammate now. But, uh, you know, I feel like Ortega's in an interesting spot, man, because it's like, yeah, he's had a lot of time to clear his head. But, man, I just personally don't like, you know, I, I see now he's kind of backpedaling and, he, and, he, and he's trying to do damage control. But it's a, it's another one of those things like with Reyes, man. I, I saw how you were, you've been acting, you know, in this whole, that whole first year. 
since that fight, you know, you're slapping up zombies, uh, PR guy, and you, you know, you're, I mean, like, bro, you know, you're number two in the world. Like, you know, you slap, you slapping a civilian earns you nothing. <laughs> like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I feel like, uh, zombie is going to get payback here, man. Zombie's been looking, uh, you know, the best, even in that Yair fight, which is a knockout loss on paper, man, I feel like it, it's, I don't want to say you win in losing, but I personally, the way I view it is like, how many times are you going to see that? You know, it's like, I, I think that he would have edged the decision out had that not happened, but, uh, you know, it did happen. I mean, but I highly doubt Brian Ortega is going to, you know, <laughs> throw an upwards elbow like that and, and knock him out, man. So I feel like Zombie uh, is the better boxer of the two. Obviously, Ortega's better on the map, but do not sleep on Korean Zombie's grappling skills, man. This guy can grapple with the best of them. Tapped out Dustin Poirier back in the day. Had the twister back in the day. Like, this dude's grappling. I mean, you, you saw what happened when he got a serious black belt like Moicano. I know Moicano was concussed, but trust me, Moicano, if you back mount him like that, he will get out of that against anyone else, you know what I'm saying, and, and uh, get back up. But when Korean Zombie got on top, and Frankie Edgar, same, same, got finished same way. So, you know, I, I feel like uh, Korean Zombie's the best he, he's been. You know, he's got Coach Eddie Cha, Coach Santino down there coming up with the with the game plan for him. And, and I feel like those guys come up with the uh, just the perfect uh, – uh, game plans. Now, look, it's a, it's a, with Ortega, I'm not going to lie and say that he doesn't have a chance to win the look. When the kid was, uh, you know, before the Holloway fight, the kid fights with spirit 100%. Like he comes to fight 100%. And he baits a lot of guys into trying to knock him out and he takes the shots and, and then he ends up, you know, coming back and winning. It's just, I don't personally think that he has the confidence in himself like that anymore. I feel like he's in a, a state where he's questioning everything about himself. Uh, I mean, we saw what happened in that Holloway fight. I feel like zombie on the flip side is not questioning zombie is confident in everything that he's doing right now. Um, obviously anything can happen, but I just feel like the matchup favors Korean zombie. I see him knocking them out within the first three rounds. Um, you know, but Ortega does have that great submission ability, you know, 100%, but I just feel like Ortega got really, really broken in that Holloway fight more than people think. And, uh, and we'll see. You know, it is chalk, but I, I feel like Zombie is one of these guys where now that he's kind of fighting somewhat, you know, uh, consistently, you know, I feel like he's always been this type of fighter, man. I just feel like he would only fight, you know, once every couple of years because, you know, he had the uh, army thing back in Korea. And but I've, when he came back uh, for that Moicano fight, man, I was pretty confident he was going to starch Moicano down there. And that's just the type of competitor he is, man. That Yair fight was one of the best fights you know, I ever seen, like I said, you're never gonna, you know, other than my boy Joaquin Buckley, man, that might be one of the uh, best knockouts I've ever seen too. that Yair pulled that, that night. So, you know, I felt like both guys were winners. So I'm gonna go with Korean zombie, you know, Ortega, a nice guy, but I just, I see a guy that's real cloudy mentally. Uh, you know, you're slapping up non-fighters now, like, and, like trying to act tough with them too. It's kind of mind boggling. It's like, it's like, it's like, you know, Mike Perry punching an old guy, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, bro, you know, you beat Danny Roberts and like, you know, you don't get any stain from touching this guy, but Hey, it is what it is. And, uh, but let's go zombie. I know Ortega was kind of trying to act like, Oh, you know, talk shit, get hit. But I, I think it's more so a thing where he ate 300 head strikes against Max Holloway and not, not to be Mr. Doctor or diagnose anybody, but you think he might have a little CTE? Cause like, dude, like that's you're the like you say you're, you're the former number one contender. You you don't touch you know non fighters. Like I get talk shit, get hit, and all that, but like leave it to your people to handle him or something. You know what I mean? So I agree with that, but that's got nothing to do with the fight. As far as the fight's concerned, and you talk about how the Ayer Rodriguez fight was one of the best fights you've ever seen. Dude, Korean Zombie has been putting on the best fights I've ever seen for like a decade, man. That first Leonard Garcia fight, WEC 48, best fight I've ever seen. The Dustin Poirier fight, best fight I've ever seen. The Yair Rodriguez fight, best fight I've ever seen. I mean, Korean Zombie, he's just, um, 
He's a highlight reel machine. And then you talk, those are fight of the nights. What, what about performance of the nights? Goes in there, gets the first ever twister in UFC history against Leonard in the rematch. Gets the fastest knockout in UFC history at the time against the former number one contender, Mark Hominick, who was coming off that epic Jose Aldo fight. And, you know, Korean Zombies had a bunch of other great performances uh, in the meantime. The Moicano fight, the Frankie Edgar fight, even his return off a massive layoff against uh, Dennis Bermudez. And also, man, when he got his title shot against Aldo, I know a bunch of the newer fans don't appreciate Aldo because they've only seen, you know, him now that he's past his prime. But back then, Aldo was untouchable. And Korean Zombie gave him one of the best fights that Aldo had ever had up until that point. It was unfortunate what happened with the, the shoulder injury. But up until that fight, that was the most competitive fight Aldo had ever had in the UFC. So Korean Zombie is the real deal. And like you said, now that he's been training, you know, he's got the right people behind him. Not that he didn't have the right people before, but the people he's got now are cleaning up his hands, cleaning up his defense. And you're seeing you're seeing a top three guy now in Korean Zombie. And look, with Ortega, I, I admire his toughness. You know, he's got some Mexican heritage. So, you know, he, he's a very gritty guy. He can eat a lot of people's best shots and keep coming forward and extremely opportunistic with his jujitsu. He's got some beautiful jits. Uh, and, you know, he's been known for going out there and getting a bunch of third round finishes. And look, Zombie has been comeback finished more than once. I mean, the George Roop fight back in the WEC, uh, Zombie was winning that fight, got caught with a head kick. The Yair Rodriguez fight, Zombie was winning that fight, got caught with that elbow. But as far as that elbow is concerned, I, I think that's something that only Yair Rodriguez could do because, uh, point in case, last week, Marcus Maluco Perez, he tried that Yair Rodriguez elbow, and then he got clipped on the temple, went out cold, you know what I mean? So I think only guys like Yair Rodriguez can pull off moves like that inside the octagon. Now, I'm not saying that Ortega can't land a big shot. Ortega... My boy, uh, that dude Roy Vall hit that shit on France. Yeah, exactly. You know, it takes certain individuals i mean roy Val's out here throwing like cartwheel kicks and shit and throwing flying knees the second the bell rings so only certain guys with, with a certain kind of athletic ability can pull off moves like that um so yeah but anyways as, as far as a uh, zombie is concerned this is one hell of a fight right here i guess my biggest concern would just be that if he doesn't get ortega out of there ortega you know having some kind of opportunistic finish you know zombie does kind of fight with his hands down so, you know, Ortega does crack kind of hard and also maybe, you know, jump on some kind of submission. But look, Zombie's never been submitted before in his entire career. In fact, he's the guy that's coming out here submitting guys like Dustin Poirier, getting epic sweeps in that fight. I know it was a while back, but like Dustin was still a fucking badass back then. It's not like Dustin sucked back then or anything. Dustin's been a great fighter his entire career. You know what I'm saying, man? Like, Dustin was always a perennial top five guy at featherweight, but now he's a perennial top three guy at lightweight, you know? So Dustin's the real deal. To submit him, I don't care what time in your career you did it. That That is legit, dude. But as far as Ortega is concerned... Man, I'd like to see him like get like a two-enough fight. You know, after you eat 300 significant strikes against Max Holloway, like let's bounce back. Let's, let's kind of, you know, take someone that's kind of towards the outskirts of the top 10, you know? You can't get no two-enough fights when you're getting that, that type of money, you know? Yeah, he is a main event fighter. You already know, just like a Weidman, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, so I, I, I get where you're coming from. And even when they tried to give Weidman a tune-up fight, shit got yeah. sketchy. So. Ortega probably ain't taking no tune-up fights, bro. He's probably like, tune-up fight. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm Brian I'm going, Ortega. <laughs> yeah, I'm going back for the fucking title, bro. Yeah, I mean, he really thinks he's going to fight for the title again. And, I mean. First, first, first off, Matt, look, all due respect to Brian. But personally, I think that's an easy fight for uh, Volkanovski, you know. Yeah, um, it is. But as far as Zombie, you know, look, like I said, Zombie's not going to come out here and land 300 strikes like Max did. But again, Zombie's not a volume guy. Zombie's kind of a counter power guy. So I, I think at first Zombie's going to be a little bit patient, but that's going to kind of frustrate Ortega. And then when Ortega decides to commit, that's when he's going to get caught with some big stuff. And like I said, just because he ate 300 strikes against Max doesn't mean he can eat 30 strikes against Zombie. So I think it's going to be a good fight while it lasts, but somewhere along the way, I think Zombie will catch Ortega and be the first man to, to officially uh, finish him. I know he didn't answer the bell between rounds against uh, Max, so that's not to discredit the great Max Holloway. Max finished him too, but I'm saying this will be the first time the ref has to come in and intervene 
in the stoppage because he went out. So I'm going uh, with the Korean Zombie to win via knockout. Now, Shaq, let's talk about a couple of these prelims, man, because next up in the flyweight division, we got Jillian Robertson taking on Poliana Botelia. Jillian's 8-4, Poliano's 8-2. Uh, currently, they got Jillian minus 210. The comeback on Poliana's plus 175. So, I mean, I think this one's pretty straightforward. Jillian wants to submit Poliana, and uh, Poliana, she wants to body kick Jillian. She wants to land those hands. She wants to keep the standing. So I guess the question is, do you think she can keep it standing here? Man, it's an interesting fight. Um, you know, watching the tape on Botello, honestly, not that impressed. I mean, I think she leaves her chin in the air. Not saying that Jillian's going to come out here and knock her out or anything, but I feel like, uh, you know, she leaves her chin in her air and she puts everything into every kick. But at the same time, she overwhelms a lot of girls with that body kick. It almost seems like uh, when she hits them with that body kick, they're like, holy shit, like, damn. But, you know, uh, Jillian's, we know what type of game. I mean, you know, when she gets on top, she usually does her thing. It's just – and Batello uh, got submitted by Calvillo first round. So I think the game plan, you know, is definitely out there for uh, Jillian. It's just, man, Batello's got plenty of black belts to train with. I mean, everyone in her camp's, a, uh, you know, a serious black belt. Vieira, Ketlin Vieira, uh, you know, she's actually got – Pedaneris, Marcos Galval, you know, Dantes, like her jujitsu should be uh, prepared for this fight. It's just, man, she does gas out in that third round. I mean, we, we were, I was there for her, uh, her last fight live against Lauren Mueller. She, she won the first two rounds easy. It's just, she uh, completely gassed out in that third round, like typical Nova and Nova and Yao fashion. Um, Jillian, I, I, I do, I, I will say, I don't think she's a quitter anymore and, and her performances lately have been getting better. So I think she is trending up in the right direction. It's just, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm ready to make the jump just yet to say like, oh, she's going, you know, to the top 10, the top, you know, six, seven, eight, whatever it is. Like some people are off a win against Courtney Casey, who, uh, Dan, who, what's Courtney Casey's UFC record and what's her, uh, takedown, uh, defense percentage it's awful so in hindsight it was like uh, you know i guess that uh that domination kind of makes sense i mean courtney casey can't stuff a takedown to save her life um but I, i'm gonna go with jillian i i think that uh pollyanna gets her kicks caught a lot you know uh they're hard kicks but i feel like they get caught a lot and you know that calvillo fight's pretty much the blueprint here but uh <sighs> I do have some uh, hesitancy. I would have hesitancy playing it just because, like, sometimes these Brazilian girls, when they get matched up against the American girls, it's like sometimes they just overpower them, man. I've been noticing it sometimes lately. Like, it's just a different type of ferocity. But you know, uh, we'll see. Yeah, look, uh, like I was t like I was saying in the Andrade fight, sometimes power can override technique, and not that. You know, Jillian's got better technique standing, but I'm just saying that, you know, if Pollyanna gets off on a couple body kicks or touches the chin at Jillian, she actually is live for a knockout in the spot. It's just that I think there's more of a likelihood of the fight hitting the mat. Um, so Jillian, Jillian at least knows exactly what she's got to do. Jillian's not about to come out here and test her stand up or do any bullshit like that. Now, look, if the takedowns get stuffed and she's forced to stand up. That's a completely different story. And that would be my biggest concern if I were to take Jillian in the spot. But, uh, the thing, the thing, man, is you and I were at Pollyanna's last fight in Atlanta. I mean, Lauren Mueller found a way to get on top of her in that third round. I feel like if people like Lauren Mueller are getting on top of you and all credit to Cynthia Calvillo, who's one of the best grapplers in, in women's MMA, but like, that was like easy work for Cynthia. Cynthia got a no hooks, rear naked chokes. So, so all I'm trying to say is that, I've seen too many instances where people can get on top of uh, Pollyanna easily, and you know that that's Jillian's specialty. So it's going to be sketchy on the feet. Every single exchange is going to be like, Jillian, you know what I mean? But eventually when Jillian gets on top, that's going to be the time when she submits Pollyanna. So I'm going to go with Jillian Robertson via submission here. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got a matchup between John Young Park. He's eleven and four, and John the the White Mike Tyson Phillips is twenty two and ten. 
currently they got John Young Park minus 260. The comeback on John Phillips is plus 220. So, Shaq, initially I was like, oh, man, I get to fade uh, John Phillips. You know, I was doing the whole bit. And then I looked at the stats and it said that John Young Park landed five takedowns his last five. So then I was even more interested. But then it came time to watch tape. And, man, uh, John Young Park likes to stand, man. He's not that urgent on his takedown attempts. Like, in that burial fight, it took him, like, at least three, four minutes before he even shot the first one. So I'm not convinced that he's actually going to come out here with a wrestling-heavy game plan. I feel like he's actually more of a boxer. And if he decides to box with John Phillips, uh, I feel like he can get clipped and get knocked out. And another thing, man, is that... uh, you know, these are the kind of fights where John Phillips, as long as long as Young Young Park isn't shooting too many takedowns, this is the kind of fight where John Phillips can actually come out here and get a win. So I'm not really interested in John Young Park at the betting window anymore, like I initially was. The the thing is, the reason I slightly edge him though is because even if shit does get kind of hairy uh, standing, I mean, assuming he hasn't been launched and knocked out, which is a possibility here, but. If he can avoid getting knocked out and shit does get kind of hairy, I feel like he can bail himself out with takedowns, but let's not let's not mix this up or anything. This guy is no elite ground player or anything like that. In fact, uh, you know, if we question uh, you know, the heart of Phillips, I feel like John Young Park also pulled a massive stunt in that Hernandez fight in that second round. Like that that was a uh, you talk about quit jobs. That that was like I was like, "Oh shit," you know? So, I'll go with Young Park just cuz he might be able to mix in a takedown or two, but this might actually be a dogger pass situation at the betting window, Shaq. Yeah, Park is definitely uh, a boxer. You know, uh, uh, we saw that in his fight with Barry. You know, yeah, I'll give him that. He, he whipped up uh, Barry all pretty good uh, his last fight. Um, man, Phillips is an interesting case because, and like you said, this guy, you know, he's more of a boxer. But at the same time, in high, not in hindsight, but just saying like, it's like, you remember when Chukagian fought uh, Shevchenko and everyone was like, you know, is she going to take her down or because, you know, she never shoots takedowns. I feel like it could be that could be the case here. I mean, like, it's like, why would why would Park's coaching staff be like, you know, let's bang with them, Park? Like, I'm sure they're like, yeah, let's just uh, <laughs> let's just go for this double, buddy, because. You know what happens when he gets doubled, the, the fight, I mean, he's going to lose, you know? So <laughs> it's like, get him into the second round. You know what's going to happen. He's going to lose. Uh, so, yeah, I like Phillips, man. I like his style, but I honestly feel like his striking's a little overrated too. Not the power, but just the the everything in between. Like, I think he's a little slow. I think uh, he telegraphs a lot of his shots, you know? I mean, we know what's coming, but the power is definitely there. But, you know, I, I, look, Alan Amadoski, like John Young Park might be a fraud, but Alan Amadoski is like, uh, that was like a whoa, like that, you know? <laughs> I was like, so I don't, I can't even put that much stock and what John Phillips has done so far. Like, I thought he beat Jack Marshman, but it's like, dude, you helped him up after you dropped him. So I don't feel sorry for you at all. Like, you could have fucking hopped on him and finished him, but instead you decided to, to give him a kiss and, and, and you know, uh, and buckle his belt for him, you know, for, you know what I'm saying? So I was like, dude. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to go with Park, man. He, I think his camp probably will come out come out here with the with the takedown with the takedown game plan you know the south koreans they 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 know what they're doing when it comes to fighting you know uh they've had they look they've had they got good fighters so i think they're gonna come out here i, I think he's from the same camp with uh with Dao Un jong and them so i feel like uh he's gonna come out here and get the win so i got a part and next up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between Fares Ziam. He's ten and three, and Jamie Malarkey is twelve and three. Currently, they got Jamie Malarkey minus one fifty, and Fares Ziam is plus one thirty. So interestingly enough, uh, odds makers actually opened Fares Ziam a big favorite here, and the line has flipped. Now uh, Jamie Malarkey is a slight favorite. So I think Jamie Malarkey is the more experienced guy. I mean, he fought Alexander Volkanovsky on his regional scene. Then he fought Brad Riddell in his UFC debut. He's the more well-rounded guy here. But Ferez he's a kid. He's only 22, 23 years old. So he might be making big improvements. We might actually see a completely different guy this time around. But based off his regional footage and that UFC debut, it seems to me like he's still kind of green, still needs a little bit of developing. Look, he's long for the division. He had decent striking in, in his regional scene, but I'm not quite convinced he's on the UFC level yet. Maybe he's made some huge improvements and he looks better this time, but I'm going to slightly lean with uh, Jamie Malarkey to get it done. I think he's the more experienced guy. It's a tough fight because 
I feel like people are overrating Malarkey, man, uh, a lot. I, I really do. And I feel like, uh, for look, look, I agree. Faraz has not shown it, you know, I can see that, you know, to the eye, it views like, man, this kid looks like a little bit like a deer in headlights. But at the same time, he's a kid. And just from when he does let it go, personally, I feel like he's more capable than Jamie Malarkey. Now, Jamie Malarkey had that fight of the night with Riddell, and I understand why he's getting played here. Uh, you know, he went 15 minutes with the top prospect. He got fight of the night. And, you know, matter of fact, he he was with uh, Kulabau, uh, you know, Josh Kulabau, who just fought uh, uh, Jordan uh, not too long ago. You know, they did the camp with Volkanovski, and I'm sure he got to see uh, what training with, with, the, with the champs like. So I'm sure he's very confident. So I get it. It's just, man, I feel like he's – I've seen guys like him before, man, where, like, they're tough, but he just strikes me as a guy that, like, I don't want to, you know, comment on his – I just he's, like, uncoordinated, slow, takes a lot of shots, uh, you know. I, I just wouldn't trust a guy, a guy like him at Chuck, you know. I feel like uh, he's a tough guy, but he's just tough. I, I don't – I know he uh, dropped – Brad Riddell, but I, I I feel like in that exchange in which he dropped him in, I feel like Riddell was this is what happened. Riddell was teeing off on him to a point and almost had him stop. It's just he got carried away in a 50-50 exchange, and uh, you know he got caught. It was kind of a, he just got super super overzealous, man. Riddell's still learning. Riddell doesn't even have does he even have ten fights? Like you know, so I feel like. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna go with uh, Faraz Saram in this one. I, I, I know I haven't necessarily seen him perform on this level, but I have a feeling that he's gonna perform uh, a lot better come uh, Saturday night, man. And I feel like uh, Jamie Malarkey is slightly overrated, so we'll see. Now, next up in the light heavyweight division, we got a, a match between Gadzihimurat, Antti Gulov, he's twenty and seven, and Maxim Grisham is thirty and eight. Currently, they got Maxim Grisham minus 345. The comeback on Gadzi Himurat, Antti Gulov is plus 285. So what's interesting about this is that Gadzi Himurat will either finish you in the first round or get finished in the first round. And these guys that he's been fighting are all like really ultra-aggressive guys, whether it's Paul Craig or Mikhail Oleksandr, even Ion Kutalaba. Maxim Grisham's kind of different. You know, he's kind of, you know, plays it a little safe, kind of does just enough to win, kind of, you know, uh, coast a little bit. So... That, that's going to be interesting to see the ultra-aggressive guy against the coaster. But that being said, man, it seems like Gadzi Himarot's only got like a two-minute tank. So if he can't get that early finish, uh, I think he might get finished here. So I'm going to go with Maxim Grisham to get it done. But obviously those first three minutes, uh, you know, there's a there's a chance uh, Antigolov can get a finish in the first three minutes. But if that doesn't happen, I got Grisham here. Yeah, got to go with uh, Maxim, man. Antigolov is... He's nuts. <laughs> I mean, dude's crazy. I mean, I'm sure he's probably going to try to choke uh, Maxine at Wayans. The dude's like, he's like one of those Safarov dudes, you know, where you can't fuck with him because he'll, he'll like legitimately punch you at Wayans. Like, straight stab up, you. like, stab you. Like, you know, like, I'm serious too, man. Like, so yeah. Knock on your hotel door. Yeah. Like, I, I just think that when it comes to fighting, he can't really think in there too much. And, uh, and that's why he fights like that. Um, so yeah, got a Maxine. Honestly, though, like obviously, like you said, he's a Russian coaster, likes to uh, win decisions. But hey, on the bright side, Maxine wins a lot, man. Maxine usually wins uh, the majority of his fights, and you know, in a fight like this, uh, that's all you can pretty much ask for is just get the job done. Because this guy Antigolov is going to defeat himself, you know. Yeah, I, I feel where you're coming from. Last but not least, next up in the bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Saeed Nurmagomedov. He's thirteen and two, and Mark Striegel is eighteen and two. Currently, they got Saeed Nurmagomedov minus four hundred. The comeback on Mark Striegel is plus three twenty-five. So, look, Mark Striegel has got an eighteen and two record coming into the UFC. But you know, if you want to sit here and say padded, uh, yeah, a padded, a padded eighteen. If, if you want to sit here and say that Mateus Gamrot's record is padded. Then I'm very curious to hear what you think about this guy's uh, record. Now, now look, 
I understand he finished Kai Kara France like six years ago, but like, you know. Yeah, Dana, Dana Batgirl finished France too. Yeah, like it, it's one of those things where I match him up again and let's see what happens. But uh, listen, no, I, I like the Filipino Warriors. They're known for their hands. They're exciting, but that regional scene, when I talk about the TKO scene or the EFC scene, that, that Filipino scene is just as padded, if not more. So that 18-2 and two record, take it with a grain of salt. Saeed Nurmagomedov, I like this kid, man. I mean, look, I don't care what anyone says. I actually thought he beat Justin Scoggins just like you did. When we, when you made me rewatch that fight, I was like, okay, I, I, I see I see why he won that fight. He ran through Ricardo Ramos, like ran through him, ran through him. And then he had a tough fight with, with a top 10 guy, in my opinion, in Hyoni Barcelos. I think Hyoni Barcelos is the real deal. I felt like it was one-to-one going to the third, and Hyoni made a great adjustment, got the win in the third. It, it was what it was, but I don't think this is going to be that kind of fight here. I mean, look. This kid's still 18 and 2, you know. I mean, if, if Saeed hasn't been training for this fight, that'd be one thing. But I, I think he's going to show up here. I think he's motivated coming off the L. I think he can hang anywhere the fight goes. He can mix in takedowns. He can coast if he wants to. He can get ultra aggressive if he wants to. He can do whatever he wants in this spot. So Vegas opened at minus 375. So, you know, it's only uh, gone up a little bit to around minus 400. I think they're right. I got Saeed Nurmagomedov for the win here. Yeah, man. Out of uh, out of all the big chalky favorites, I feel like Saeed uh, is the number one safe choice, man. I feel like uh, this guy Mark Schiegel, man, padded record. Firstly, I know he's eighteen and two, but you know his last fight. Uh, not that he was losing, but it really. I think it was like something happened. I forget exactly what happened, like a low blow or something, but. Uh, or is it an eye poke? I can't remember. Something happened. But uh, I feel like Mark Schiegel just said uh, a low blow. Uh, it hasn't uh, It hasn't been. He's just not on this level, man. And I feel like he's got no hands. He's more of a, a, a kicker from the outside. And Saeed has better kicks, better hands, better grappling, more experience. Uh, this is right up Saeed's alley. I feel like this is just a, you know, a get back on track fight for Saeed. And uh, Mark Striegel, tough guy, but I feel like uh, and firstly, uh, what I'll say about Mark Striegel is, y'all, uh, y'all see that physique difference this guy's had in the last uh, <laughs> last couple of years? Because I mean, you go back to some of those old fights, man. He, he's a pipsqueak now. The dude's like muscular and he's buff, and I'm like, yo, is this, uh, then them one FC uh, Singapore steroids, man. They must be fucking. <laughs> fucking solid man i know that's where my boy rda was going back in the day but fucking you know like shit like this motherfucker been uh i'm interested to see him pass these usada tests but we'll see now we gotta talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch so Shaq, what is the fight to watch for ufc fight island six my fight to watch is thomas almeida versus uh jonathan martinez man just because Almeida's desperate for a win i mean this guy i'd say it'd be safe to say his career is riding on saturday night and uh, Martinez, man, if he can get this win, I mean, he'll, uh, you know, this will be the biggest win of his career, hands down, to beat a 22-3 and three guy, you know. This will put him in that top, you know, 20, 25 status. So, you know, uh, that's my fight to watch. Yeah, I mean, anytime Tomas Almeida or Jonathan Martinez are fighting, I'm definitely watching. For me, my, my fight to watch is Claudio Silva versus James Kraus. I'm a big fan of Claudio Silva. I love his style. I love serious jiu-jitsu players. And James Kraus, how can you not respect him? The fight IQ, the calf kicks. He's paid his dues for fucking years. I mean, go back and watch his fight against Donald Cerrone in the WEC, one of the best uh, one-round fights I've ever seen in my life. Uh, James Krause has truly paid his dues, and Claudio Silva, he's 38 years old. People are saying he's getting towards the end, but he's undefeated in the UFC, and he's beat some real guys. So this is my fight to watch. Now, Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC Fight Island 6? My fighter to watch, man, I'll say actually uh, Jessica and Judge, man. I feel like... Uh... This is a big, big fight for it because, you know, she's lost two fights in a row. And, you know, obviously she doesn't want to make it three. But and she's sw- she's switching up weight classes. You know, she's in a new weight class now, new matchups. So, you know, if, if she's able to get this win, you know, we're going to see her in there against the Calvillos and the, uh, you know, the girls uh, amongst that um, uh, against uh, amongst the top in that division, man. And I feel like she needs to win bad. And she's got a tough task on hand with Chukagian, Chukagian. 
you know, say what you want, you know, about all this shit. But I mean, she she gets the job done a lot, man. So you know, uh, it, I'm interested to see how Andrade performs. I think she's as I don't want to say as desperate as Almeida for a win, but if she lost three in a row, man, it would kind of put her in a very tough spot. Yeah, for me, my fighter to watch is Mateus Gamrod. He's coming into the UFC with a 17-0 record, KSW champ champ, and uh, I want to see if the hype is real inside the octagon. I've seen how he performs outside, but I want to see how it looks in the UFC. You know, like you said, Dustin Poirier is training partner, and he's got a tough opponent in the Georgian here, man, so it's going to be a great fight. I want to see exactly what level this kid is on, so for that reason, Mateus Gamrot is my fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down this Saturday night in Fight Island. Yes, I Island Abu Dhabi, the Korean Zombie versus Brian Ortega. They can follow you at MMA Genius 05. They can follow me at Best Fight Picks. Go to bestfightpicks.com for the plays. Use the promo code CODY25 for 25% off any package. That's CODY with a capital C, CODY25. Make sure you subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places where we are available. We'll be back next week for Justin Gaethje versus Habib Nurmagomedov. Going to be an epic fight and uh, just a just a great card overall. So thank you very much to all our fans for all your support. Make sure you all hit that like button, hit that subscribe, and everything else. We truly appreciate it. We'll be back next week. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.